co-host Shelly. Hi, Pamela. I'm excited to hear this one. Oh my gosh. I, I know I tell you that I love them all, like, but I am not kidding you. This one <laughs> is seriously one of my very, very favorite cases. I love stories about strong women, and boy, have I got a doozy for you. We are also here today with Asia who is Nancy Workman, who is the Salt Lake County Mayor. Nancy's daughter, let me introduce everyone. This is Asia. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome, Asia, and thank you for being willing to talk about this trial you guys went through. I was doing criminal defense work for a while, and I had a case, well, actually even before my case, Nancy Workman was the Salt Lake County Mayor, and I always thought, seeing her on the news and everything else, she's a very classy very attractive, beautiful woman, very strong, like you would expect a politician to be well put together. And she had it going on. The first time I met Nancy, I was actually asked to play some opening of some community thing, but Nancy was there and it was a big deal anytime I played an event where there would be like the, the city mayor or a county mayor there. So it was a cool thing. And I can't remember what, if it was like, some some community center and I remember Nancy Workman was there and I was like wow this is really cool the the mayor's here and I sang a few songs and then someone spoke and afterwards Nancy was so nice she came over and told me that she liked my performance and I thought wow that's so cool like how nice that the that the mayor even noticed like I I mean how could she not notice everyone had to listen to me (laughs) so <laughs> and that's how I love a captive I, audience. I do best with the captive <laughs> audience. So that was my first meeting of her, and I th- I was impressed. Then she was charged with two counts of mishandling public monies, and one oh no, okay. a, a second degree felony and a third degree felony, very very serious. And there was a lot of talk that this was very political. Nancy was Republican. The DA's office that was charging this was Democrat. Oh, no. So there was a lot of talk that this was just... And this was actually before Trump and before things got even this polarized. This was back when things were not as polarized. And so it was it was kind of a shady move. On If it was politically motivated, it was shady, and I do believe it was. And I'll go through the details and, and see if you guys feel the same. So she was charged with these two counts of misuse of funds. And it's, like I say, second and third degree felony. So Nancy, when she gets charged with this, hired one of the biggest names in the criminal defense world to defend her, which makes sense. If you're in trouble, you're going to do that. And she hired Ron. Right. Ron had a big reputation and was kind of a legend in the criminal defense world and is not just past tense. He is a legend in the criminal world and he, Ron was a real character. He has this trademark, his mustache, this big bushy mustache. Oh, uh-huh. I, he, I used to tease all the time because he was like a living caricature of a person because he had, he was like bald <laughs> and he always had this big bushy mustache. Sometimes he'd have a goatee and sometimes he'd have a beard, but the mustache was always there and, and glasses. And it was, he was such a living caricature that literally one time for Halloween, I dressed up as him and went into his office. Oh. And it was so <laughs> funny because I looked so much like him. Because if he wasn't in court, he would always be wearing like a, 
a baseball jersey because you'll, you'll appreciate this, Asia, with your sons being big in baseball. Ron was really big in baseball, so he would wear a baseball jersey and then basketball shorts. So he would meet with new clients and everything all the time in this baseball jersey and shorts. On Halloween, when I dressed as him, I went in there with a baseball jersey, basketball <laughs> shorts, and I had a skull cap. I'll actually probably post this on the website because it's too funny. <laughs> I, had, I had a skull cap so that I was bald and then glasses. I looked exactly like him. And what was hilarious was everyone knew that I was dressed up as Ron, but no one knew who I was until I spoke. Like, that's oh. that's how good my costume was. It was awesome. <laughs> yes, but but did Ron know that you were dressed up as Ron? Ab- he did. Did he recognize himself? He recognized himself <laughs> in me. And the second he saw me, he didn't know who I was until I spoke. And then I started laughing. I'm like, hey, like, I'm you. He just looked at me and he's like, you are such a strange little woman. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> <laughs> So, a strange little woman. Yeah, well, and I'm not that little. But, <laughs> That's funny. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> yes, you are. Maybe, you're maybe what he really meant is I was a little strange, and he confused it. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's what I'm sure that's what it was. <laughs> so, yeah. so anyway. You just keep on hanging on to that. Yes, yeah. I will. <laughs> so Nancy had hired Ron initially to represent her, which makes sense because he was a big name, tough as nails. And Nancy was, a, like I say, uh-huh. a strong, powerful woman. And I thought she was strong and powerful. And that was before I knew her. And the more I knew her, the more strength I saw in her. And I can't, oh, I can't wait to tell this story. Right. This is, I couldn't make this <laughs> stuff up. This story, I, I just love this case. So my first meeting was with Ron and Jeff, another investigator. I've talked about him on a couple other cases, and Nancy. So Ron was introducing everyone, and when Nancy saw me, she said, Hey, I know you. You sang at that community event. I was like, Yeah. I couldn't even believe she remembered me. It was really cool. It made me happy. And then Ron was kind of jealous or something. I don't know. Or maybe just didn't want my music getting in the way of my PI work. And he's like, Hey, she's my investigator. She's not a singer. She's my investigator. It was just kind of weird. And Nancy was strong, powerful, and adamant that, hey, I didn't do anything wrong here. This is a political thing, which is interesting because Ron is a Democrat, but Ron also would fight for justice. So this was a great fit, a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. If you're saying it's political and your attorney is actually a Democrat fighting for you, it helps, I think. And most criminal defense lawyers are Democrats. They're mostly very quite liberal people and, and fall on the Democrat side of things. I did not know that. That's that's an in- interesting yeah, piece of I'm, trivia. I'm more conservative in my political beliefs, so I am kind of the anomaly in that criminal world. And I'm also the anomaly in that I am Mormon <laughs> in that world. There are not a lot of Mormons in that world, yeah, in yeah, the criminal yeah. defense world either. So I guess Ron's yeah, right. I'm strange sense. and I'm more in very many ways. <laughs> Ron may have been correct about that. Keep making yeah. that list. Check, yeah. check. As we start talking, Nancy is explaining, like, hey, okay, so the count, she's the county mayor, and the, the county would loan money to other community organizations. Like, they would loan money or employees to nonprofits all the time. Oh, okay. And it just so happened, and you can jump in here, Asia, and, and help me out with this, that the nonprofit that the county had helped and given money to 
was a nonprofit that Asia was working for. Asia is you're a CPA, correct? I'm not a CPA. I'm I'm an accountant. There's a huge difference between a CPA and an accountant that only you guys know. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. So in order to be a CPA, you have to have your master's and you have to pass okay. the exam. I just have okay. a bachelor's. So you were doing accounting for the Boys and Girls Club in Utah. Yeah, I was their chief financial officer. Right. And they had received a federal grant that covered your salary and a bunch of other things, correct? Yeah, they were not able to hire an accountant. All of their accounting was going through the city at the time and they couldn't afford to hire an accountant until they got that federal grant. They actually wrote in an accounting position into that grant and so it was part of the three-year grant mm -hmm. and so then they when they got that grant they were able to hire an accountant and my number one responsibility was to get the Boys and Girls Club's finances uh, independent from the city so that they could run as an independent organization. Okay. 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 And so when that federal grant was running out, you needed an assistant. Well, no. It, a replacement. A replacement right. would yes. probably be a better yeah. word. You, <laughs> you, you wanted to be, have them come in while you were there so you could train them so that they could replace you. Yeah, so, yes. So I, I had to get things organized and set up a system that I could hand over to somebody with you know less experience that would be a little bit more affordable for the Boys and Girls Club. And, you know, at the time, we're running a $5 million budget uh, with 12 different departments in 25 locations. And so, you know, having everybody's budget and accounting and everything set up so that they could know real time how much money they had left to spend for programs at the end of each month or even in real time was quite a feat. Right. It's not something your average accountant can set up. But once it was set up and I had it running, then I could right. turn it over to somebody that a little more affordable. Right. But I needed time to train them. Gotcha. Okay. To have that time to train them, because your mom was the county mayor, it just made sense knowing that the county does that at times. Well, they'll loan employees. They do it all the time. The county gives money to nonprofit organizations every right. single right. day. Right. And so you approached your mom, explained the situation, and can the county help the Boys and Girls Club with this issue? And she said, yeah, let me see what I can do. Yeah. yeah. And then she talks to her chief administrative officer. Yeah. So Nancy explains this to us, that her daughter, Asia, had come to her. And I hadn't met Asia. And the county prosecutor, the DA at this time, was talking about also charging Asia with conspiracy to do this. Oh, you're kidding. No, oh, no. No, very serious stuff. <laughs> and it was front page news. Front page. This is big time stuff. Wow. Yeah, the, the DA came into my office. Well, yeah, in, in the, at the club, they, yeah, they treated me like a criminal. Like, you can't leave. We are asking questions right now. And, and yeah, you can call your attorney, but you'll look guilty. Wow. It's pretty scary, isn't it? Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And I wish you guys could see Asia. She's adorable. She does not look like a criminal at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's how I get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Yes, maybe. So we decided in that meeting, in our first strategy meeting, that what we may do is bring in another attorney, have him ready just in case that they do decide to charge Asia, bring an attorney in that Ron can work well with so that they can have co-counsel, co-defense, where we lock arms and, and we do this together. So Jeff and I get started on this. We start interviewing like all the staff, all of Nancy's staff, to find out how did this come about. Was this just Nancy? And what we learn is that she turns to her chief administrative officer, which was Dave, and asks Dave to handle this. She said, hey, can we do this? We, and they do it all the time. Just like Asia explained, they do it every single day. They loan. That's what the county does. It's there to support the community. So they loan money. Okay. They loan employees to two different entities that need it, especially if they're nonprofits that make the world a better place. And the Boys and Girls Club fits that to a T. So she asks Dave, can we do this? And Dave says, yeah, let's do it. I'll make it happen. So Dave makes that happen, and the money goes over there. Asia, you had one or two people that you were training? Just one. So someone somewhere in the Boys and Girls Club, my guess is, I'm just guessing, but I think they were a Democrat. (laughs) And they decided that this was a misuse of public funds and that Nancy was doing really shady, shady stuff for her daughter. And they called the DA's office and told the DA that Nancy was doing this, misusing public monies in an effort to benefit her daughter, which is interesting to me because I'm not sure how that really benefits you, Asia, that it benefits the Boys and Girls Clubs. The way they tried to paint it was that she was an assistant for me, not a replacement for me. So yeah, that word is, that word's a very important distinction. From my perspective, she was a replacement because that federal money was running out and I was going and they thought she was an assistant for me. So that's how they felt I was benefiting. That's crazy. It is crazy. So with that threat that they would possibly be charging Asia also, Ron called another very high-profile, prominent criminal defense lawyer in town. His name is Greg. And Greg is a very handsome, charismatic guy. He's really big in the defense world, like I said, and he's got a big reputation and big ego. (laughs) He's he's a, a character in his own right. So the next meeting that we have at Ron's office, Greg was at this meeting. Asia wasn't there. I hadn't met Asia, but it was again with Nancy and Ron and Jeff and myself. And Ron is introducing Nancy to Greg at this time. And he's explaining, hey, if they do go ahead and charge Asia criminally with this, we will be totally prepared because I'll have Greg on board with me. He will be co-counsel. We're good friends. We work well together. This will be a perfect fit. Nancy was fine with that. It sounds great. And Greg did his little introduction of himself and everything was nice. It was a perfect meeting. We leave and Jeff and I continue to interview employees at the county mayor's office. And all of the employees are corroborating Nancy's statement, which works out really well for us. And so I thought, hey, we got this thing. You know, this is this does appear to be some political witch hunt. And we're going to be able to get rid of this pretty quickly, is my thought. As we just started into the investigation, I get a call from Ron. And Ron explains that he's having surgery on his knees. And so he'll be out for a couple months. But while he's out, for me to finish this investigation. Well, that 
that may sound abnormal in other worlds, but in the criminal world, for me to prepare a case, that's not abnormal at all. Because okay. while I'm doing the investigation, there's very little that the attorney can do. So it really okay. is my job to just start digging and figuring out, okay, what do we have to deal with? What's, what's going on? So that I can have it already put together when I meet with the attorney later. I think we were only a couple weeks into that. And now, so I, I initially, I got the, this case July. By the beginning of October, okay. I got word that Ron was going to be gone, which didn't affect what we were doing at all on the investigation and, and our ability to proceed. But he would be out for a while. Then I get word that Greg had actually cut Ron's grass on this case. Nancy was up for re-election. Big deal for a politician, right? Yeah. This is everything. Perfect timing for a criminal case. Exactly. Yeah, and it's certainly no mistake that they charged her at this time. And, like, to wait until... It was, like, July when I first got the case. And then in September, I was working pretty hard on it. And by... We'd already done a bunch of interviews. So she really only had a few months before the election. So Greg approaches Nancy, which, in my opinion, I will tell this to Greg if he ever calls and asks. In my opinion, I, this was the most unethical move I think I've ever seen. Not not the most. I, I Sadly, I've seen worse. Sadly, I've seen worse. But, but well, Greg approached Nancy, but Greg's representing Asia, so... The professional courtesy would have been to get a hold of Ron. Correct. Yeah. So okay. he didn't get a hold okay. of Ron. He called Nancy and said, hey, okay. guess what? If you switch over and hire me to be your lawyer, because at this time they hadn't charged Asia. So I think Greg was just kind of sitting on the side twiddling his thumbs. And it was front page news, lead story on news oh. every night. And Greg was really, gotcha. I think he was getting antsy to be in the big game. That's my opinion. So Greg, oh, so okay. Greg calls Nancy and he tells her, hey, if you switch over to me, like Ron's having surgery on his knees, he's not even going to be able to do this trial. If you switch to me, I will get your case done. We will win before the election. What? Oh, dear. The election is yeah. in November. Are you kidding me? Wow. This is October wow. he's wow. telling her this. Now, I don't... Yeah. I don't blame Nancy at all. And I need to tell you, I've always planned to have Nancy be part of this interview, but Nancy has passed away and it breaks my heart. Oh my gosh. I so, so wish I could introduce all of you to Nancy because she's, I, I love her, like love her. So yeah. passionate, so powerful. And you'll get a feel for And what. so to Asia, I'm sorry, the loss of your mother. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's yes. hard. It is so hard. So he tells Nancy, like, oh, I'll have this all done. We'll be ready in time for the election in November. I don't blame Nancy for believing him. I blame him for lying to her. Because I know in TV, <laughs> movies, they kill someone, and then, the, like, the next week, even in the show, the next week they're in right, trial, right. right? But it's in the same episode. In real life, that is not how it happens. I know I've explained that many times to right. everyone here. That's not real life. Real life is you're going to be like a year or two before you get right. to trial. I will acknowledge that Greg did this case very, very fast. It was lightning speed. And at lightning speed, they, of course, missed going to trial before the election. Okay. Uh, yeah. Duh. Obviously, they're going to miss that. Trial didn't happen then. Didn't happen before the election. So, Nancy, 
had to withdraw oh, from the election. No. A decision that I, I probably disagree with. I think she should have stayed in the fight. But she felt that, that by withdrawing, she could influence the outcome of that election. Okay. Uh, right. It's kind of a self-sacrifice. So, and just kind of a backstory on this a little bit. The beginning of September, I had met a client of mine and my client sexually assaulted me. And I will do an episode about that another time. But to say that I had been kind of knocked off balance is an understatement. I was just trying right. to function sure. any way I could, trying to make, like, just to get myself out of bed at that time was a challenge. I had never, never faced depression like that, and I was depressed. So I was going through my own things. Then when Greg stole Nancy away from Ron, I was really bummed because I needed the money. I needed to work. That was like the only case that I had at that time. And it was a high profile case, which was great. But without that, like I had nothing. And Nancy felt terrible about this. She knew that it was a hard thing for Ron. Being the classy lady that she is, I had heard from Ron. Well, yeah, like Nancy switched over. She, she went over to Greg. So at that time, Ron was upset with Greg and rightfully so in my opinion and Nancy was just trying to make it smooth with everyone because she didn't have bad feelings about Ron. She just was believing that Greg would finish this in time. So Nancy actually came to Ron's office, and she brought chocolates to him and asked to talk to him, and he refused to talk to her. Oh, I'm sorry. Which is too bad. You can see both sides. I can see both sides of that, exactly. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else she could have done. That was a very classy gesture, but nicely done that was the adult thing to do and like I say I I don't blame Ron that was an emotional thing so we were out of that at the time and I kept waiting for Greg to call either me or Jeff or both of us and ask us for our investigative reports because we'd done a lot of work we'd interviewed pretty much her whole staff We, we were getting everything all together ready to go and he never did and I, and I, like I say, I was caught up in my own stuff. I know you guys can't see Asia, but she's shaking her head like she's frustrated <laughs> that Greg didn't call us. When Ron got the case and Greg came on and you and Jeff are doing the investigating, you were investigating for both people, correct? Nancy and, right. and Asia, yes. So, so, so Greg is yeah. the one that missed all of the information. It wasn't like a territorial move. He just... He just did not follow through on a whole plethora of information for the case, correct? Yes. Okay. I totally agree. This happens a lot in cases. You're going to see it in other cases that I talk about later. I kept waiting for the call asking, give us your reports, everything you found out, and I never got the call. But then, for me, I was dealing with my emotional trauma and trying to get my power back and my strength back, and... I had no money coming in. I had no cases coming in because attorneys knew that I'd been sexually assaulted and and most defense attorneys are men and they didn't know how to deal with it well. Right. So they... Backed off. They just stayed away from me. They backed off. Yeah. And it was like the worst thing for me because I needed needed support. I needed work. So I sold a piece of property that I had to pay my bills. That was the... Like, that was it. Like, okay, I got a little window of time here while I get my feet back underneath me. And I had actually gone to just to get away. I thought, I got to get out of here for the month of January. Rented a place in California, took my parents, and I would just go run down the beach or rollerblade 
And I, that's when I started meditating, mm-hmm. and we'll like we'll get into all that right, later right. On, when I talk about that case. But when I got back, so I'd been gone for the month, and when I got back, I was reading the newspapers, and front page news was Nancy's trial was front page. It was happening. So it did happen, like, very, very quickly. But now we're looking at, like, the beginning of February. The trial's still going. Like I say, she yeah. missed the election. Had to with- She chose to withdraw, which is a bummer. Of course, Greg was not using Ron or any of his resources there. So I read the paper, because I'm totally curious how the trial's going. Sure. And what I read is David Marshall, who whom was her chief administrative officer, had just testified, and you will not believe this, he had just testified on behalf of the state. Wait a minute. And I was like, what? What? Yeah, that's... Like, everything he said is supportive of what Nancy said. He, like, there was nothing he said that contradicted what Nancy said. So how can he become a, te- a witness to the state? Right. So, all, I mean, all that runs through my head really quickly, and I'm reading the report like, what the heck did he... How could he be a... a witness for the state and i'm reading and he had totally rolled over and now he was testifying yeah like totally changed his story like i didn't know what nancy was doing oh Uh, no yeah like this is not something that the county does david testified that nancy had misled him about the employees and what they would be doing or where they would be He said that she had never mentioned that they would even be working for the Boys and Girls Club, which is where Nancy's daughter worked. Sure. That directly contradicted what he had told Jeff and I in our interview with him. Okay, but the problem is no one knows the information you have because Greg never picked it up, right? Right, exactly. And based on that, I'm like kind of panicked for Nancy. So I thought, geez, like they need to know this. So... I called Greg's office, got his voicemail, and I tell him, hey, I just read the newspaper report of yesterday's witness of Dave Marshall, and if this report is accurate, Dave Marshall is totally lying, or at the very least, he contradicted himself of what he told us in our interview when we interviewed him when we had the case. Right. And I said, you know, if you want my report, let me know, give me a call. Well, that afternoon, I got a phone call from Greg. And Greg says, hey, yeah, that's great information for us. We need it. Could you come and testify? And I said, absolutely, let me do that. So, of course, I called Ron to get permission because I was working for Ron at the time of this, and I wanted to be loyal to Ron. Since since Greg doesn't know what loyalty is, apparently, I do. Yes. So I called Ron and said, hey, I know what Greg did to you on this thing, but for Nancy's sake, I would like to testify about this, Uh the truth on this, and... But I don't want to, like, cut your grass. I don't want you to feel betrayed by me. And Ron was awesome, and he said, hey, it's the right thing to do. Do it. Good. So later, when I talked to Nancy, what I learned after the fact, after trial, I sat down with Nancy and talked with her about some things, and it was really cool. And she said, at that time, that day when they got out of, she said, you know, we were coming out of court every day. I was so frustrated about how the trial was going, and I would say to my husband, I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to prison. Oh, wow. This is not going well. This is not going well. And she said, I was I was scared, terrified about the direction that the trial was taking. And when we got out of trial and were at Greg's office and he listened to that message, after he listened, he said, you got to hear this. And he put it on speakerphone 
and she said, I can't even tell, like, it gave me so much hope. She said, I made him play it six times. Aww. I Like, play it again, yeah. play it again. Aww. And she said, it gave me so much hope because I knew that there was at least one person that knew, I knew that right. you knew I was innocent, that right. I was telling the truth. And, which was so cool, it just made my day that, that, sure. that my fight for the truth was having an impact in any way. So they didn't just call me to testify. They also called Jeff in to testify, which was perfect because you got to have as much as you can. But, but wait, before I get to that, they called Asia to testify, not the defense. The state called Asia oh, to testify. Oh, wow. Against my own mom. Against her mother. Can That's, you imagine no. being called to be a witness against your mother? And she was so awesome about it. She was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Whatever. Nothing you can say can hurt. It's fine. Just, you know, don't worry about it. Just go in there and do what you feel comfortable with. Wow. You're fine. You know, she just, she really took wow. all the Wow. Wow. What a great mom. I love, love your mom. She's awesome. So with the state calling Asia... To testify against her own mother, is that what a hostile witness would be? Would Asia now... <laughs> you are so good. You're so good, Shelly. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're going to put a gold star on your forehead. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So, that is exactly okay. that is exactly what a hostile witness is. And, in fact, because Asia was not saying what they wanted, doing what they wanted, behaving like they wanted... They asked the judge for permission to treat Asia as a hostile witness. Okay, okay. And the judge granted them permission. How did that feel, Asia? Well, the whole thing was just extremely stressful. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, well, and everybody had been very combative Yeah. through the entire thing. Trial yeah, is war. Um, they're, people are not nice it more. It, <laughs> when you're going through this, and particularly right. the media. The media was the worst. And so, you know, even outside yes. the courtroom, I was dealing with the media on a regular basis, and they were awful. Oh, I'm sorry. Just awful. The courtroom seemed sort of mild compared to what wow. the media put me through. Oh, man. They would interview me, and they would edit it in such a way that it would come out that it wasn't at all what I said in the actual interview. So wrong. They edited my statements. That's where I learned to speak in sound bites. I'm like, man, you can't give them anything but sound bites, or they will take your words and they will mix That's them around terrible. and just make you look like the most awful person. Yeah. And so the funniest one was gone to lunch with a friend one day, and my boss called me at lunch and he said, Did you quit? And I said, no, I'm just at lunch with a friend. And he goes, well, the newspaper says you've been terminated. And I said, well, did you fire me? Yeah. And yeah. he said, no. <laughs> and I'm like, well, well, then the newspapers got it wrong. Because if I didn't quit and you didn't fire me, I don't, I don't know where they're getting their information. Yeah, I'll be back after lunch. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, I'll be back in half an yeah. hour. That's why, and, and that's part of why I want to do the podcast, just so everyone knows, like, how, what this is really like. It is, it's a brutal process, and trial is war. Well, and is. not only that, but that newspaper article has impacted the rest of my life. Oh, Because that sorry. is what comes up on Google. When you Google my name, 
And so now yeah. everybody reads the headline, you know, Asia Wild terminated as a result of the scandal. They just painted me as this yeah. horrible, dishonest person. And I'm like, I was trying to help the Boys and Girls Club. Right. So, I'm you know, so it, sorry. It, it's just a mess. Yeah. It just, the media is just awful. But anyways, that's my two cents on the media. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, and it's more than two cents because you've it lived prior it. Prior to hashtag fake news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, hashtag fake news. Yeah, right. we thank. Yeah, we didn't exactly. have hashtag yeah. fake news at that time. If, they, if, if we would have, there had was that. no thing as that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, right. Hello. You could have been. A, you could have invented it. You could have. Yeah. You could have owned the patent instead could, of Donald I, yeah, Trump. I could have been. I could have been <laughs> Trump before Trump was, but. <laughs> Uh, you, you're going to have to lose your yeah. manners. So they they'd called Jeff and I to testify. We were going to be the last witnesses for the defense. Now, remember, I'm coming from having been assaulted, and I'm trying to get my power back and my strength back, and now I've got to, like, stand tall to walk into right, court and right. testify for Nancy on this. And I was stressed, to say the least, like, more so than normal, just because I was on shaky ground in my life. And I got to the courthouse and went, I'm, like Asia said, the media was everywhere. They were brutal. When I stepped off the elevator to go down the hallway to the courthouse, it felt like, like you see in the movies, cameras in my face, reporters in my face, microphones in my face, like all these mics and, and recorders and cameras. And they're all like, hey, are you the, the surprise witness for the defense? Are yeah. you... Well, yeah, yeah, of course I am, because I'm, <laughs> I'm the last witness we are. And I knew the reporters, because they were always following us on cases. And this one reporter's like, what are you going to say today? <laughs> I just I just laughed, like, really? Like, I'm going to tell you. Well, what? let me stop yes. and tell you guys before I walk in there. Before this I'm is what home. I'm going to tell everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just laughed. So get, I get in the courtroom. I raise my hand to take the oath. My hand is shaking, because I'm just, like, so so scared tense because it was a rough shaky time in my life so i take the stand when you take the stand and you have you've had all the notes taken when you were interviewing can you bring your notes with you to the stand to review or do you yes. have to review all of your yes. information before so i interview it before usually review it with the attorney before i even testify they go through okay. like this is what we're going to ask and then they'll also if they're a good attorney they're going to also say this is likely what the the opposition, what the other side is going to ask you. They anticipate what they could come at me okay. with so okay. that I can be prepared to ask. Uh, here's what was really, really cool about our notes on this case. When we interviewed David Marshall, and he, in my opinion, he was like a real key piece for the state's case. Because here's the chief administrative officer rolled over now testifying on behalf of the government now on this case because the defense had alleged this was a political witch hunt oh, okay the da's office in an effort now that they're getting ready for trial now they want to, pre to pretend they want to make it look like it's not political so they brought another republican in a guy who's republican from utah okay. county a different county to come up to salt lake county and actually prosecute the case so that it wasn't anyone even from oh. the DA's office. It was a special prosecutor brought in. They were appointed by the Attorney General's okay. office. So the AG's office was actually handling this okay. trial. So this special prosecutor came in to show there was no bias. Okay. 
which is kind of funny at this yeah, point. Okay. But, and it was a big coup for them, of course, that the chief administrative officer had testified on their behalf, and he rolled over and said that he was misled by Nancy and all this stuff. I, I don't know how they didn't anticipate this. I guess just because David misled, talk about misleading, he must have misled the prosecutor to believe that what he was now saying is true. Because what Jeff and I had were our notes from interviewing him. And when I take notes of someone, I am literally just, I'm trying to write down everything you say exactly as you say it. So when I'm interviewing someone, I will make them like, hey, if you're going too fast, I'll say, can can you hold on a second while I I catch up? I'm sorry, but I've got to make sure I get this right. And I'll ask, is this how you said it? And we did that with David. Did you record the interview? I'll always record it. In this one, this time, we didn't record it because there were two of us in the interview. Gotcha. Okay. And I think think we all, maybe we both thought the other one was recording, but we didn't record the interview. But what we did do, I think, was actually even better. Yeah. Because when we finished the interview... We said, okay, we want to make sure that our notes are correct. So we handed Dave our notes. This is what we have written down. Will you read these and tell us if we're wrong about it? And if we're right about it, will you sign your name on the bottom? Oh, my gosh. David Marshall read our notes and said, yeah, that's what I said. And everything he said was, we do this all the time. We do it every day. We loan employees. We loan money. And to the Boys and Girls Club... Of course we would loan money and employees to the Boys and Girls Club. That is an organization we loan to all the time. And he signed his name on it. So when you ask, it's a perfect question, do we have our notes to review? These notes were perfect because usually it's like my personal notes and they become evidence. Yes, these are our personal notes and they were suddenly like the biggest evidence in the case because the state's star witness now had signed our (laughs) notes to say they were accurate. You know, right. I, I'm not just signed months it. Months before. He, he had signed right. them months before oh, telling us that this, this is exactly how it is. It was awesome. We finished. I finished testifying. Of course, the media is everywhere. I'm like, whew, so glad that's over. Now I can go back to trying to heal from my stuff. And what I knew later, because I have a friend that works at the Attorney General's office, and when that special prosecutor returned, when they broke... Because they took a break after our testimony because then they were getting ready for so closing arguments. So you, you testified and then Jeff testified right after you? Yes. Yeah, and, then and Jeff the testified break. to the same okay. thing I did. So it's just bam, bam. Like gotcha. it's a double, okay. it's a double okay. punch. Yep, double punch. Bam, bam. Then they take a break. Because they always will take a break to give attorneys time to prepare their closing arguments. They take the break. And what I know from my friend that works at the Attorney General's office... When the special prosecutor arrived for their break after that, the prosecution team walked in and said, if the jury believed those investigators, we are screwed. We've got to offer a plea. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Woo! I love it so much. So they do their closing arguments. The jury starts deliberating. The prosecution, while the jury is deliberating. Now, I understand they had offered Nancy different pleas along the way. Remember, she is now facing a second degree and a third degree felony. If she is convicted of a second and third degree felony, second degree felony, 1 to 15 for a second degree felony. Third degree felony is 1 to 5. Oh, wow. Okay. So she could be looking at some pretty serious prison time. This is a big time risk. Mm -hmm. So the prosecution decides, and the, the jury is deliberating for 
Not any short time. They deliberated into the night. The next day, they start deliberating again. And the prosecution, they've offered a couple deals. Now they're like, hey, if they believe those investigators were screwed, we got to offer something big. So they came back and they offered a deal to the defense team that, okay, you plead guilty, we'll drop the felonies, we'll reduce it to misdemeanors, no jail time even. Because with a misdemeanor, you could get a, a year in jail. Okay. No jail time. Okay. You just plead guilty. You, basically, you just plead guilty. You get this scar. You get spanked. Yeah. You get this on your reputation. So, to have this kind of a plea bargain, that seems awfully extreme. Like, crazy extreme. To go from two felonies to it not... Is. I mean, you don't even have to. you don't even have to go to jail. You don't have to do anything. All we want is for you to say you were guilty. Wow. Right. They're scared. They're running scared. They're running scared. Okay. Which is awesome. So now tell us what Nancy did. Nancy has this huge, huge decision to make. Now, I wasn't involved at this time. Were you involved with this, Asia? Okay. I was not there at the time, uh, but she told me about what happened in that room. Yeah. That Scordis wanted her to take the deal. Yeah, uh, she had. And she and my dad had discussed it at length. They had offered different plea bargains along the way, and she and my dad, you know, they were like, "Our good names are all we have," you know. So no, we're not. Right. We're going to see this thing through. We're going to fight because because we're right. And yeah. so she and my dad had made that decision, and my dad was not in the room. <laughs> so she oh, was. Wow. She was. Uh, oh. She was not going to change because they had made this decision together. They were going to fight it out. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Talk about a scary decision. Let let me tell you what. When I think of someone that has, like, guts and courage or balls, (laughs) as we we often say, I'm not kidding. Nancy Uh Workman is truly one of the most courageous people I've ever, ever known. The gutsiest move. When she was explaining to me about when she was meeting with Greg about it, and in defense of Greg, I have my frustrations with Greg, but in his defense on this, when we are defense people and we have got a case to this point where, okay, the risk is they go to prison or nothing, they're not even going to go to jail, we have to recommend, take the deal. Take the deal. We Because sure. I don't oh, want okay. to have you go okay. to prison. So it's a no-brainer for a defense person. Take it, because we did well. We're going to keep you out of prison. And Greg was sure that the jury hated them. He was saying to my mom, he said, you know, they they hate us. They hate us. They're going to convict. Maybe he meant him. Maybe he he meant they hate me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he... Yeah, she was she was like, "No, no, I'm not taking a deal. I'm not guilty. I'm not going to say that I'm guilty." And um and yeah, Greg actually ended up throwing up. Yeah. He when they so left scared. that meeting, he was, went in the bathroom and threw up. Oh, and he came God. back and told Nancy, "You know, I'm so upset that you're not going to take this deal. I th- I threw up." And Nancy like, "Oh my gosh, like nerves of steel wow. to be able to and how courageous or crazy i but it's funny because when i talked to nancy about this and i said what were you thinking in this meeting and how nancy explained to me that she was so frustrated because greg was saying just like you were saying asia greg was telling her 
they don't like us. We're going to lose. You're going to go to prison. And Nancy's like, you know what? You have told me, she compared it to a cement worker. Like you told me like, we're going to build this. We got this. It's perfect. And now we do this trial. We build this whole thing. And now like a cement worker, it's like you're telling me, oh, that cement I just laid, all that work I just did, it's no good. It's going to crack. It's falling apart. It's not going to work for you. Oh, what a great comparison. Great comparison. It really, it was really powerful. And Greg Mm -hmm. had co-counsel on that case. I will say his co-counsel, Jack Morgan, which is not to be confused with the Jack who I have done most of my work with. This is a different Jack. This Jack did a great job for Nancy and he was very supportive. Nancy was very grateful for him and gave him a lot of credit. Yeah. His co-counsel was actually agreeing with Nancy and said, hey, your name is all you've got, and I think we've won this. And he was telling Nancy, I think the jury believed the investigators. Because when they introduced that evidence, like our notes, and you've got David's signature at the bottom saying that our notes are correct about what he's told us, the jury takes those back in the deliberation room. They have that. So he said, look, they've got their notes. They have a copy? Yep, yep. So they can review it? Oh, yep. yeah. So that's presented as evidence. And so he said, look, they have that. I think you're good. And his assistant was saying, Nancy, please don't plead to something you didn't do. Yeah. You know what? Right. It's that's that's easy for us to say because we don't go to prison if we lose. It's easy right. for us. And as an investigator, I always would like to go to trial. I really would. I truly would. Because I'm always so curious if my investigation was good enough to withstand the prosecution and everything. But that's selfish of me. Mm -hmm. That is totally selfish because I would just be, I just like, I just want to know, did I win? (laughs) You know, I'm competitive. So I would want to know like, hey, Uh did we get him? Did we get him? But that's not a game to play with someone's life. And so I understand Mm -hmm. why Greg said that completely. And like I say, he was so upset. He went and threw up. What everyone didn't know when that final offer, that last offer I just told you about, when that came in, no one knew, and we have no way of knowing that the jury was 20 minutes away from a decision. Oh, wow. And 20 minutes later, we get word the jury has a verdict. They come back in. The judge asks Nancy to stand because they always do that. Sure. I want to actually read this. I pulled quotes from the newspaper. Asia, were you there? No, I wasn't there. Yeah, she was trying to keep me as far away from it was as your possible. Dad? No, I think Dad and I were at home just kind of waiting. Yeah, she kind of wanted to protect us wow. from that. She didn't want us there. The jury gets out minutes later from Nancy turning down this sweet deal. And everyone returns to the courtroom. Anytime the jury comes back in, they notify defense and, and prosecution. We've got a verdict. And you rush from wherever you are in the city. where They give you just enough time to get there. Okay. And it is the most tense moment. Like your heart, like I swear, you can feel your heartbeat in your fingers. It is yeah. like oh, pounding so hard. I can't imagine. And the, the judge asks Nancy to rise for, while the verdict was read. And her lawyers stand with her. When the judge's clerk read the first not guilty verdict, Nancy raised her fist in victory. And when the second not guilty verdict was read, she looked at the jury and mouthed thank you to them. Oh, wow. That's Terry. Wow. Wow. It is. And Nancy's usually, she's such a proud woman who keeps her emotions in check. Right. And she told reporters that she cried a little 
This is a direct quote. It's against my rules to cry, but you can only take so much. It was a tremendous, tremendous relief. And uh, when they, leaving the courthouse, when the elevator doors closed, Nancy let out a yell. And when they got in the elevator, just yelled like, yeah! And I was so excited. Like, I could hardly stand it that she did this courageous thing by rolling the dice. (laughs) Courageous or crazy, reckless, all of it, actually. (laughs) But it was like the coolest thing because she's just such a classy, powerful woman. And to have the truth come out like this. Right. And I think it was a couple weeks later, I got a call from Nancy thanking me for helping win her case. And she said, we're going to have a party to celebrate, and I want you to come. Because of the space I was in in my personal life, like, I was not feeling like going to a party. And I was like, oh, thank you, but no. And she said, no, no, no. She would not take no for an answer. She's like, no, no, no. You're coming to this party. You are our star witness. You have to be there. And I was so flattered, so I'm like, okay. And so I, like, pick myself up by my bootstraps and walk in, go to this party, like, a couple days later. And I was thinking, I'm not going to know anyone there except Nancy and Jack Morgan and, and Greg. And all these people that I didn't know were coming up to me saying, thank you for winning the case. We, you won the case for Nancy. Thank you so much. <laughs> like, and I, it was like the coolest buildup. It was like exactly what I needed. <laughs> and, it, you know, I, I tell all these cases where like clients don't even say thanks. So for Nancy, not only to say thanks, but thank me invite me to a party and to include me like that and and here's here's a kind of funny thing about greg so at the party and greg was so gracious to me at the party and he not only at the party but literally for like the next two years every time i'd pass greg on the street or the sidewalk or anywhere he would always say there's my star witness he would like yell down the street there's my star witness you won the case for us (laughs) which was awesome and well deserved the way the law's written well deserved Thank yeah. you. Yes. Thank you. It takes Very you know, it takes an amazing and it takes amazing courage to go through what you were going through and make that phone call for somebody else. You know, like wow. You exactly. you could have easily just crawled into your own shell and disappeared. Yep. And not not done anything. I mean, how many of us would do that in your circumstance? Just crawl into a shell and disappear? And not give a crap about what anybody else right. is going through in this world. And so for you to step into something so uncomfortable at such a difficult time in your life voluntarily is just amazing to me. Thank you. That is really, really nice. But you know what, Pam? Um, I, I think Asia said it perfectly, but also um, you saved her mom. You know, I don't know how long your mom lived after because you said she's passed away now, but those would have been lost years because the outcome would have been easily, you know, completely different. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks. Thank you. Thanks to you. She sat through a lot of baseball games. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, man, you made my day. And I'm sure she's thanking you too. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And it was cool because when years later at the time at the, like at the party what i knew was that if you're a public official and you get charged criminally and then you are acquitted of your charges this, then an, an insurance policy kicks in and covers your attorney fees and 
she had these high-priced lawyers, oh. and that was expensive. And so Greg said to me at that time, hey, I don't know if or if I'm going to get paid or when I'm going to get paid, but when I do, I will pay you. And I said, oh, thank you. That's really cool. Remember, I was, like, not working and, like, just scrapping right. just to figure out how am I going to survive, how am I going to pay my mortgage, my uh, like everything, food. <laughs> some Usually I can brush my yeah. hair and put some lipstick on and someone will feed me, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, but paying a mortgage, you usually have to do more than that, and I'm unwilling to. So, <laughs> so, so, so well, I was Kevin, a bit, you have a you have a standard there. Yeah, You're I have Kevin morals. Standard. <laughs> I have some morals. So, uh, so that money would have been like so so helpful at that time. And I read that Greg got paid like a hundred and thirty something thousand dollars by the city, and he never paid me. And he said <gasps> he said that day, Greg, uh, yeah, damn you, damn, <laughs> damn you, Greg. Greg. And he said, well, even if I don't get paid, I will at least give you cases. I'll toss your work your way. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I could really use it. And I hadn't told him like what I was dealing with, right? So, so I. But still, he said he would do that for me. He never gave me one case. He never paid. And I read it in the newspaper that he made all this money. And I just thought, okay, you're a turd. Whatever. No. That's who you are. You should have called him and said, now where is my yeah, check I, in the mail? I can't is remember. Like, Maybe you didn't yeah. have my address. I, yeah, I would exactly. have sent him a bill. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I should have sent him a I bill. Would have, I should have. do that right now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> still do that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Accountant Asia. <laughs> and then you could say, a, you could tell him it's on a podcast that he didn't pay. Right. And so it's not blackmail or anything. But I'd be glad to do a part two. <laughs> I would be happy to add to this. So, and what was another really yeah, cool let thing? Him know that, that you actually did. Pay. Yes, totally made my date. When I was getting ready to, I was getting ready to write a book or do the podcast, I wasn't exactly sure, but I wanted to to talk about Nancy's case, and I didn't want to do it without her permission, so I called her and said, hey, can I meet with you? And we met for lunch, and she brought this dear friend of hers, Jerry, and we had such a fun time, and I was really nervous to ask her for permission. Well, not to ask for permission, I, I thought she would being the courageous person she was, I thought she'd be all over that. But I was nervous because I didn't have good feelings about Greg. And I didn't, I didn't want to say how I felt about Greg because I assumed being that she won the trial that, that Greg won, that she would have good feelings for him. So I thought, okay, like as I'm driving to the meeting, I was thinking, I'm not going to say anything about Greg. Because I don't have anything good to say, so I'll say nothing. <laughs> sure. And, yeah. and so, so I said, Nancy, I would really love to include your case when I do a podcast, when I do this. Would you mind, can I get your permission to do a chapter in the book or the podcast? Can I have your permission to do that? And she said, absolutely, only on one condition. And I said, okay, what's that? And she said, that you tell the truth about Greg. Uh-huh. And I was like, what? Oh, Oh, are are you serious? And she said, I said, uh, she said, yeah, that guy lied to me to get me to be his client. And he lied to me every day after that. The, she said, I left court every day. I left court every day thinking that I was going to go to jail. I was going to prison. We were going to lose. 
and until you left that message and I said, oh man, I didn't dare say anything because I thought that you would just love Greg because he won your case for you. And she looked at me and she's, she pointed her finger and she said, he didn't win his case for me. And she pointed at me and she said, you won my case. And I was like, this is wow. so cool. It was like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so it, uh, right. I love, love Nancy, love Asia, love you guys. I am in awe, absolutely in awe of her courage. And I wanted to do a quote here that to me described Nancy. It's from Nelson Mandela. Of course, we all know Nelson served 27 years in prison wrongfully before he was released. And his quote is, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. Nelson Mandela. Wow. And I know Nancy was afraid. I know we're all afraid. But I love this case so much Mm -hmm. because in spite of her fear, and, and her in spite of her attorney saying, hey, I'm so scared, take the plea, Nancy pushed that aside right. and just like like a victorious champion went straight for it. Right. I love wow. that case. I couldn't wait. I love sharing it. Thank you, ladies, for sharing this with me. And sharing, Asia, thank you for sharing yeah. this with our audience. Thank you for inviting me. It's, oh, our pleasure. Yeah. Anything else from you, Asia? Um, yeah. The only thing... That came up for me uh, while you were telling the story is, you know, when when she uh, admitted that she cried a little at the at the Uh verdict. um, I'm shocked that she admitted that she never cried. Never. I mean, she was always just as as hard as a rock. Nothing fazed her. Uh And so for her to admit openly that she cried a little yeah this was a big deal this was she yeah it weighed on her a lot more than she let on yeah wow prison is a scary thing and people go to prison i and i want everyone to know i have cases like i say i've i've advised clients to take the plea deal when in a situation very similar to this when i'd really like to go to trial but the risk is just too great and I can't in good conscience advise them to go to trial because if we lose, they go to prison. So right. it was incredibly courageous. I, that, I'm just in awe of her strength and her courage. And I, I just, it, I've been dying to share this. Thank you for listening to Pamela Private Eye. <laughs>